Hello, this is Mackenzie, uh, known as Cigar Wench on Instagram and the Director of Tobacco Operations for the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar in Charlotte and Gastonia. You guys are now listening to the Burndown Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Burndown Podcast. Today, we have a special guest. She is director of the tobacco operations for the Vintage Cigar and Whiskey Bar down in North Carolina for the Charlotte and Gastonia location. You might know her on Instagram, Cigar Wench, a.k.a. Mackenzie. What's going on? Hello, guys. <laughs> Thank you for joining the Burndown. Yes, welcome to the Burndown. Thank you for having me. And uh, you're on your day off, so you know. hopefully we get a little bit of your time. You don't have to get pulled back into work yet, so you want to get a little bit... To get to know you a little bit, and uh, hopefully we can smoke a cigar and enjoy it. Hey, cigars, booze, I'm here for it. All are right, you, so are you drinking booze tonight? Are you? Yes, um, having a, I'm having Penelope Four Grain. What are you smoking? What do you got tonight? I have the lovely High Clare Castle, wow. one that I've never pronounced as Nezer. The, oh. um, the last big release from Foundation well before... You know, the Night Commander coming out this December. Gotcha. Foundation's very, uh, very good, good brand. I love Foundation. Uh, they have a tabernacle. I think it's, um, is it, uh, uh, I don't know why, was it Nick, Nick Melillo? Nick, uh, that's, that's him, right? Nick Melillo? Yeah. Yep. So why we get our cigars sparked up, which um, obviously we're smoking. Yeah, our cigars, the blueprint. Blueprints. Okay. If you couldn't tell, okay. blueprint here, blueprint there, blueprint there. So as we uh, as we light these cigars up, just give us uh, give the people that are watching and listening a little bit of background about yourself. How'd you get started? Who's Mackenzie? What were you like in high school? What were you like today? Give us a little bit of autobiography about yourself. Um. All right. So, um, originally from Maryland, got my start in cigars when I was eighteen. It was um my first job out of high school. Um. Just, you know, had a fascination with it. My background's anthropology and archaeology. So culture and cultural context is incredibly important to everything that I do. But I found tobacco to really just cultivate that type of um, rich history that I just found very fascinating, uh, as well as the actual camaraderie that you get from, you know, being a cigar smoker, being in a lounge and stuff like that. So... Yes, yeah, I was 18. I'm, uh, I'll be 29 in September. I uh, spent right. 10 years with Davenger Cigars, uh, doing a couple of different jobs. And like you said, now I'm, uh, I run the tobacco operations for our, uh, whiskey and cigar bars where'd here you, in, you in uh, Charlotte. In, uh, where'd you grow up in Maryland? Uh, Ellicott City, Columbia, Maryland. Okay. Those people know Columbia. Not, yeah. Not in, uh, Baltimore. 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 Not in Baltimore but, but thank you for saying it correctly. Yeah. Well, oh, I, got, yeah. I got family. I got family in Cockeysville. <laughs> I used to so, cover both. Oh, okay. I used to be down in Baltimore every uh, every month, basically. Uh, okay. But I always say to people, would you say Baltimore like you got a bunch of marbles in your mouth. Baltimore. 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 And it's not Maryland. It's Merlin. 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 Yeah. Merlin. That's Merlin. like um, New Orleans. It's New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Mm. It's, just, it's just one giant word. Yeah. Or like if you go to Louisville, it's Louisville. Yeah. Louisville. Um, anyway. needs all of those letters. Yeah, so you really. st- so so you actually so you started smoking cigars at, at uh, a 
you know, not a, I don't want to say it's a young age, but in the cigar world, it's a young age. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You know, most people, obviously, you need to be, well, in New York, you need to be 21 to smoke. I think it is. Is it 21? Or is it 18? 21. I think yeah. it's 21, right? Five so, 18, most people don't start smoking cigars, right? The average cigar smoker is, you know, 35, 40 years old, maybe 45. So, 18 is a young age, right? So, what got you into, like, who gave you your first cigar? Like, what, why, what, what drew you to cigars? So, well... First off, it was Maryland that actually switched the tobacco um, age to 21. I actually had to go to whatever is like city hall things where you sit down and talk about why something shouldn't get passed and stuff like that. Um, so I was there wow. um, during my tobacco time, sitting there listening to children in high school. They're like, oh, Jules ruined my whole experience. I'm like, when are you going to learn responsibility? Because 21 is a little late in the game, buddy. Um <laughs> So it was Marilyn who actually started the switch over to um, 21. So, you know, 18 is was the technically the correct start of when you can start smoking tobacco. I probably had, um, you know, one or two when I was like in high school. Um, when I went to. Now, were they were they like real cigars or were they, you know. Yeah, I mean, it was like an Ambrosia and like a Perdomo champagne. So, I mean. Oh, okay. okay, well, no, that's a real cigar. No, those are real cigars. No, that's a sure. real cigar. Perdomo champagne is actually, uh, we, we've had that at the 10th anniversary. It's a great stick. But I was yeah. I was asking, you know, is it a black and a mild premium cigar or is it like a Swisher Sweet? <laughs> no, can't say that I started with those. Um, no, I mean, um, when I. When I was 18, I had visited a college I actually ended up going to, but I hung out with a couple of people. And then we went to the cigar shop that I eventually worked at and um, had a couple of cigars. And then I just walked in a couple of days later. It was close by to my house. And I was like, I don't know anything about cigars, but I love to learn. They're like, fuck it. Come on. Wow. And uh, and that's kind of where I really got started. So there was nobody that day gave you the cigar. Nobody that you just picked it up on your own was like, hey, I like this. Yep. Yeah. My family members, none of my family members smoke cigars. Um, you know, my, I know my grandfather smoked a pipe, but which I would also, I'm also okay. a pipe smoker as well, but he also died before I was born. So I never actually got to interact with it. So tobacco was never involved in my family's, you know, space. Um, I also come from a very athletic family. So the tobacco is probably kind of on the outskirts of like, you can't run laps and do all that with a cigar in hand. Like, I mean, you can. Which, which, which actually, which actually is complete bullshit because, you know, we've, we, and I don't, this is a totally different note, right? But we've done plenty of, uh, research and episodes about look at all the best athletes on the planet. They all smoke cigars. Michael Jordan smoked cigars before his games yeah. in the locker room, yeah. right? LeBron James smokes, uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who had arguably the best body ever, smoked cigars. So when they say, "Oh, you can't smoke," bullshit. What was your <laughs> What was your family? Uh, was their family known for anything for being athletic? For what kind of sports were your family playing? Um. So actually, the Michael Jordan thing. One thing about that. So this location was actually Michael Jordan's father's auto shop originally. Really. So we wow. have a Michael Jordan like. Um, uh, Sign jersey in the back. You so know, the so lounge. Right, so here's a little fun fact for you. Then, what's his favorite cigar? Oh damn! That I don't know. Oh, I, guess. I just work here, my friend. <laughs> uh. So you said so you said the the Charlotte Lounge that you work in that you run is used to be Michael Jordan's father's old mechanic shop. 
Yeah, his old detail body shop. Yeah, we still have like wow. the original, um, you know, garage doors that we open up and stuff like that. Um, so it's really cool to, you know, be part of the team that operates this location because it's got that historic side to it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, so I mean, we've got, you know, it's, it's a cool place and it's got that nice historic size. Um, uh, when you were asked about the family, mom's a ten, uh, mom's a gymnast, sister's a tennis player. Um, dad played defensive end linebacker for the Gamecocks when he went. So nice. lots and lots of sports. Oh, which, okay. And then what did you play? Anything? <laughs> um, I did dance and synchronized swimming because I'm the creative type. Wow. So. Synchronized swimming. Tell us, tell me more about that. How does, what goes into that? I yeah. So do you, you're a lot of people, the way I understand it is you're not like you don't touch the bottom. Right, like no, you have to, no. you have to tread water the whole time while you're doing these crazy things. And that's no joke. Yeah, that's no joke. No, and you're, you're throwing ladies up in the air and shit. It's how do it's you a lot of work. how do you throw a lady out of the water when you when your feet aren't touching the ground? Where does the leverage come from? Because you've got one lady on top of you, on top of you, and you all are. So it's it's leg work, but it's also a lot of um, you know hand treading as well. So if you're upside down doing like feet flips and stuff like that you're just using your hands that um, is that is then, very impressive yeah it was it was fun it was, i did when i was young the worst part was you um so for competition we would have to get docked gelatin when it was still warm and then lay it onto our hair oh wow so yeah. our buns would be in the right place so you have this waterproof makeup you got gelatin in your hair and you're just like popping out of the water and you're like I want to feel for please. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. like that's like cheerleading too. They have they they their um like their hair is like pinned back and it's like you are not in the most comfortable of state. Like your not makeup it. is just absolutely not, caked not on and yeah, your hair is bulletproof. Like, Jeez, synchronized. Yeah. So nobody actually. So, so you you got into cigars all on your own. Nobody nobody gave you a cigar. I mean, there was a little bit of tobacco in the on the grandfather's side. But that's very interesting because usually somebody introduces somebody. you to tobacco. Pretty much everybody that we've had on, somebody has introduced them to cigars. So you're the first that said, nah, I just picked it up. That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I just, uh, I had a fascination for it. Um, you know, I, I remember the first time my parents, they were just like, well, it's on par for the weird shit you usually like to do. So we're fine. So Now, do any, like, does any right. of your family smoke cigars now that you do? No, they still don't. I'm always with my dad. I'm like, come on, I'm the son you never had. He's like, shut up. Like, uh, and he was a football like, player, so I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone's got their, you know, what they choose for their relaxation. Um, you know, this is my version of relaxation. My parents' view is sitting on a beach for three or four hours. It's not my kind of thing. So everyone's got what they, we all need to relieve ourselves of anxiety and stress in some format. And this, for me, has to be the best option. Um, especially when you think of, you know, the tropes that we always get, it's like, oh, you smoke cigars, you're going to get cancer, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, the reason these people who are working, you know, in the factories, you know, blending, smoking 30, 40 cigars within like a two day span, there's a reason why they're living into their nineties is because they're releasing the stress, which stress is the thing that ends up killing you in the end. Wow. Yeah. That was, that's, that's beautifully put. I mean, look at, I mean, just look at the numbers, right? Everybody wants to say, look at the numbers. You got guys that are like you smoking twenty cigars a day and living into their nineties, right? And then for us to smoke, you know, one a day, or a lot of the average cigar smokers smoke maybe once a week, maybe, right? That it's it's 
again, we've done research on this. We've done plenty of episodes. It's I don't think that they're bad for you. I think if anything, they're actually good for you. Yeah, hundred percent. They, um, but people are naive and they don't do the research and they don't understand. So. Yeah, you know, you should see some of the comments that we get. You know, oh with the videos God. that we put up and the, stuff, the ones that like the ones that really go viral. The people just that all it is is oh yeah, enjoy cancer. Oh, I'm like I'm like I didn't want to respond to every single person and be like you're a dumbass, you're a dumbass, you're a dumbass. They just don't. I mean, they don't get it. It's all that propaganda of that like smoking blah blah. Now I mean. All that's all that's in this feed right here is tobacco, water, sunlight, and love and attention. Yes, literally, absolutely. It's, that's literally all it is. is. That's it. We always say that tobacco has one ingredient. It's one hundred. Our cigars have one ingredient. It's one hundred percent tobacco. I like what she said. It's, I know. What'd you tobacco. Say? It was tobacco, water, sunlight, love and, and attention, and love and attention. Sick. That's great. Beautifully put. There you go. I like that a lot. I might. I might coin that. You know what well, they say? TLC is tender love and care. Now yeah. it's tobacco love and care. There you go. Oh yeah. There you go. Love <laughs> now, that. now, do you have now? Are any of your your friends? Are they into cigars? Like, who do you typically smoke cigars with? If you do with anybody? Um. Well, I mean, so my best friend, definitely um, female best friend, back in Maryland, does not smoke with me. She's always called me the gentleman. Um. She's like, you just belong in like one of those gentlemen clubs, not on the stage, just chilling with the other. <laughs> that's pretty much accurate. The classy um, gentleman you know, club. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice one. Uh, but I mean, for the most part, if I'm smoking, I'm usually typically doing it with like people I know from people I work with and stuff like that. Um, I just don't find many females in my age group or at least from my background where I'm from that are really cigar smokers. Mm. Um so it's, you know, you get what you get. But when you're been so immersed in it in the past almost 11 years, it's that's where your like your tribe is, is like your old regulars. Like one of my um, old regulars from Maryland was here yesterday when I was working and it was just like so nice. Like I'm like, oh, are you going to dance for me? Remember the party from last year? Come on, give me a little dance. Like, <laughs> you know, do shit like that. I mean, um just having that type of camaraderie, like you really just have those, like you can always walk into your shop and know that you're going to spend time with somebody that you care about. Exactly. And that's a beautiful thing about the cigar world is that, you know, you could, you'll always, you'll always find friends in a cigar lounge. You'll always be able to walk in, see regulars, hang out with people. And then, and next thing you know, you got a best friend. That's the beautiful thing about cigar culture. So yeah, if you need a, Oh no, go for it. No, I was gonna I'll say so. So tell, so tell us about. All right, so so you you got into cigars, right? And then you, you slowly got into this the role of director of tobacco operations. But where did cigar wench come from, right? Like, all right, tell us about it, right? Because some people don't know what a wench is, all right. Let it, let alone now you're a cigar wench. So how did this whole you know journey start on Instagram? Because yeah, I only I know the word wench, but like I don't really know what it means. I've only heard it in like movies. What is, is that a French word or something? Wench? I don't know what a wench is. Um, so I got I started that account in 2012 when I first started working in the cigar shop. Um, one thing I know about my personality is just I have that inherent type of desire towards classier types of things. And you could say that my personality also fits that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted... I figured I would have an account that would kind of reflect that. Um, and I didn't want to do like anything, you know, boring or just my name or something like that. 
So the word wench, when I think of it, has so many different meanings to it. And it's kind of the whole point of like having that name is for you to go on my page and make the decision of what you see. Um, so wench can just mean maiden. It can mean so, like a proprietor, like there's a beer wench and stuff like that. Or it could, in another way, have a more you know, spicier version of it. So it's it's really up to the person who's observing, you know, my account to be like, which wench is that? And for me, it's just the maiden, you know, just a lady smoker and stuff like that. But I like the ambiguity of it. And it's also just fun to say. That goes that goes into your background of being very creative. And yeah, yeah. As you've been saying by yourself, because that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty big explanation of how you look into things. So it just, looks like Justin brought well, up the I, definition I just brought, of wench. Yeah, I Google it, and it literally it, it says it's a girl or a young woman is a wench. They have they have a secondary um, definition, but uh, it's clearly not the definition that you were going for. But the main definition is a girl or a young woman. Really? That's all it is. The second definition is prostitute. But oh, okay. <laughs> that's, well, I think we could cross that one off. No, the first first and foremost is a girl or a young woman. So you are the you are the cigar wench. You are the cigar woman. Young woman of cigars, right here. A well, class, yeah. a classy young woman of cigars. The cigar wench. So if that was 2012, what was that? 10 years ago. So you started that fuck, account when you were 20, 19. 2012 was 10 years ago. Yeah, fuck me, right? Goodness gracious. Well, I guess it would be. Yeah, depending what time I started that. Um, because I started working in the cigar shop like literally a month after I turned 18. And then I probably started that page. And then, so I think it's almost on its 11th year. Wow. And wow. October. Yeah. Just, it, it follows the same time that I've been in the industry. That's um, I mean, that was before Instagram so. was really Instagram before it was really like what it is today. Is really- yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen a lot of changes. Oh yeah. Um, I'm sure you have. Oh yeah. I mean, in that year you go from straight, strict, straight pictures, like only pictures to then they come out with like the the slides right the carousel and then they come out and now you're doing videos and then they come out with reels to go with tiktok and now everything is pretty much reels so, and actually now they're starting to a little go back to pictures and then they did igtv remember when that whole thing came out stories and, yeah because we started our instagrams <laughs> like 2016 2015 ish so you're a little bit ahead of us you're, yeah, so ahead you're, the, the, you're the seasoned wench yeah the seasoned cigar <laughs> wench for sure <laughs> It's just been like hanging out in the background and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. I mean, you guys do a lot of work to get, you know, the content you guys need to get out. Um, and just watching other people, other, I guess, like cigar influencers. Um, I mean, just the level of time, you know, since I got this job um, December 1st of last year, I have people who like also like pull posts from my page and like put on there's like cigar wench. Where'd she go? I'm like, bitch, I'm busy. Like, what's she to do? Like, <laughs> I gotta. People I don't realize. Working. People don't realize how much time goes into it, and and even just even just like a regular post, it's not just a you know take a picture, boom, it's up. Like, there's there's some editing that goes in, especially if you're trying to do a reel. There's editing. Now you got to come up with a caption. Now you got to come up with a thumbnail. You got to make sure you post it at the right time. Is you know, you got to film it, and it's never, it never does one, out, never does one take. Out. There's always multiple takes. Like it's not a, uh, you know, a second job. It takes Depends some time. It takes you know a half hour to an hour per post, depending on what you're doing. And I saw you were at uh, PCA this year. Mm-hmm. So, so it's how, my first PCA. How was that? You know, everybody has this like tone. They're like, "Whoa, get ready, you introvert! You're gonna, oh, don't be too much for you." Like. 
okay, I get it. It's supposed to be big and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I was the buyer in the situation for my company. So my goal was to get the product for our, uh, people who are going to be smoking with us. So, you know, before I even left, I sat down with the tobacco team, like, here's the inventory. What do we need? Um, and got everything set up, had a binder of every single order, got all the appointments. So when I walked into that, I was like, really easy. (laughs) (laughs) So you went in with it. You had a mission. You're like, this, I got to go bang, 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 all the way down and I'm done. So you went there to go buy product. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference of going to PC? So if you have a binder of all the product that you want to buy, what's the difference between going to PCA and buying it and just reaching out to the companies that, that sell it? So PCA is a good opportunity. I think people get big smoke and PCA very confused. Um, PCA is a buying trade show. It's for distributors, uh, exhibitors and retailers to do business with each other with good deals and also to show what they're coming out with in the next couple of months. So like a lot of the new product I put orders in for, but I know I won't be seeing it until, you know, September, October, November, December. Um, but it's a way for you to get that product. So when, if you don't go and you want that product later, it's like, well, we just sold all of that to, to other people. So you get a little bit um, faster. You get a little more in front of your face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, some people do really good deals. Some people don't. Not all companies go to PCA. So it also gives you an opportunity to kind of space out your, you know, your purchases. Um, because, you know, when you've got two locations or if you're like, you know, um, my old company, um, Davido Cigars, who have 12 locations, it's, you're going with 30 minutes appointments or hour long appointments every minute of the day to just get everything done. So I feel like when people see PCA, they have this like, Ooh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun, but you get off the trade floor and you make your way to Bar Luca or to Electra and you're networking until about two o'clock in the morning to then get up and do the same thing over again. So it's fun, but it's, it's work. Uh, whereas I think big smoke, from what I understand, is more for the everyday smoker, Social you know, aspect. not for just the people who are fully immersed into the industry side of it. So that's a big difference, too. But it also curbs your your mission to what it needs to be as opposed to like, you know, there are probably more activities and something like big smoke because they're going for the consumer mindset, not the big buys of retailers. Got it. That's a great okay. way to explain. I've never heard it explained like that. Because you always just hear, hey, it's a trade show. And then for people on the outside that aren't, you know, really uh, invested in in that aspect of cigars, they don't understand that, listen, it's not a go hang out kind of event. This is a go business, strictly business, business. make deals, try to get orders in. Like for the people that are making the cigars, they can go and now they showcase their cigars. And the people that are trying to buy them can come and try all the new shit and then try stuff that they haven't tried before. And then if they like it, put orders in. So it's strictly, you know, business to business as opposed to, like you said, Big Smoke or what they had over here on the East Coast was Cigar Fest. That's where consumers buy a ticket. They go. They can smoke all the cigars they want. They get raffles. They have a good time. They party. But the vendors aren't really making deals with anybody. They're just kind of giving out freebies, doing raffles, taking pictures. Yeah. You you there for the whole weekend? It's definitely that difference. Was I there the whole weekend? Yeah. Yeah. So we got in um, Friday. We're there till you know, red eye Tuesday evening. Slept all day uh, Wednesday. I did not exist on Wednesday. I mean, that whole trip, I was like, 
food doesn't exist anymore, and neither does sleeping. So let's just crack on. Ooh, that that but, would that would be a serious problem for me. What's that? If there if there was no food. Oh, yeah. oh, there's food there. I just yeah, I, I think she's saying oh, I was just so working so oh, yeah, she was I th- working so hard. I thought you were saying that it was like you just you just go and you don't eat. And I'd be like, no, that'd no, be no. I'd be no, in the no, middle no. of a business meeting, be like, hold it, pause. I need to get some food, otherwise I'm gonna rip your head off. I need a goddamn <laughs> cheeseburger. <laughs> Give me freaking burger. Give me a steak right now before I kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. There's there's food on the trade floor, and then you know you have dinners. Like I went to El Septimo dinner. A ro- um, Christian Roa had his birthday party and stuff like that. Her thoughts had a little like you know herb herbs and wine and stuff like that um, and things of those nature. So you, those are the things you can do after the fact. But um, every time I like picked up a meal, I was like, still not hungry. Okay. <laughs> Well, also, you're like, you know, you're ripping cigars all day long. You're probably drinking a little bit, probably have low jacked up on caffeine. I don't know how, I don't know if you drink coffee or anything, but I'd be sucking. You don't drink coffee? Well, there's no, okay. Well, there's no, there's number one. You got to start drinking some coffee. Come on. Start chugging the coffee. That's, that's what keeps you alive all day long. Well, if you don't, if you never pick up on her mantra, she seems to be different than from the pack. So a lot of people drink coffee. Come on. Little kids in Mexico drink coffee. I, I would expect, you know, I'm not surprised that she doesn't drink coffee. That's a quote from a movie. Come on. I you know the movie? Do you no. know the movie? Does anybody know the movie? No, I'm sorry. Oh, come on. It's kicking and screaming, man. What? Coffee. It's the uh, lifeblood of America. Little kids in fucking Mexico drink coffee. It's a movie. Kicking and screaming. Yes, that's Mike Ditka. I just, uh, I just can't do um, caffeine for me, like, especially high amounts of caffeine. Just whoop, write that down. I crash uh, okay. very quickly. Okay. Yeah. Crash right. is hard. But, I know. It sucks. It's one thing. You're like, I wish I could have a cup, but... You know what? I, I drink coffee. I don't really drink coffee for the caffeine, to be honest with you. I just enjoy drinking coffee. I just like the taste of it. And I like just the act of drinking coffee in the morning. Like, yeah. my morning coffee. I'm the same way. I don't know if caffeine affects me at all, but I just, it's. Every once in a while, I'll get like a bing. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on it right now. I'm like all over the place. But most of the time, I'm just sitting yeah. and just chilling. Yeah. Coffee just tastes, I just well, love the taste of it. It's, and we're going with, I mean, with, with cigars, just, it's the best pairing in my opinion. Okay, so what's let's let's go off this. What is your go-to pairing with cigars? Because we both feel that coffee is like the number one pairing, but you don't drink coffee. So what's your go-to pairing? Um. Well, I mean, if I'm working, it's uh, the Topo Chica. Um. Which, because which is uh, water? seltzer water. Seltzer. Uh. Yeah, it's just a mineral carbonated mineral water. Oh, and what's, okay. what's that called? The Topo Chica. Just Topo Chica. We don't, yeah, we don't have that no, up here. I'm not sure what that is. It looks kind of good, though. It's hurt. I mean, it's um, bottled in Mexico, so it, it keeps the tone going for the rest of the um, consistency of your products that you're getting. But it's just nice mineral water. But it's some of the most bubbly um, carbonated, like, sparkling water. And I think there's something nice about that when you're smoking a cigar, because people always forget that if your palate's dry, then the oils that are going to be produced from the smoke are starting to be... Uh, get your flavor from the oils as you're smoking. If you have a dry palate, you're not getting the full effect. Mm. So Topo Chico has this really nice ability of just the bubbles get to every part of the crevice of your mouth. So you have a very hydrated palate so you can taste things correctly. Um, but people think about that. Just no, I feel like I want her to educate me about cigars. <laughs> she well, she's the director of operations. She should know what she's yeah, talking about. I feel, okay. I feel like I've learned a few things just you know, from listening here today. I kind of want to get some education on cigars from you. I will actually, I will say that 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 does make sense because I now that I think of it, yeah, I never thought of that. The the 
cigars, if your mouth is very dry, the cigar almost tastes tastes dry. Tastes like ass. It doesn't. It doesn't. When you pull the cigar smoke into your mouth, it doesn't. Uh, it it, it feels like you're like you're always dry. It feels like it's drying out your mouth even more mm-hmm. than if you're hydrated or if you drink like when you have you take a sip of coffee and you have that real nice coating in your mouth, and then you have some cigar. The the smoke feels and tastes different in your mouth versus having nothing to drink. I agree. All right, hydration some, is important. Have have like a, smoke a whole cigar without having anything to drink, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, you need a little something to. What's something we can ask her that we've that we've done like cigar how tos on? That's a good question to ask. Um, just, all right, I'll ask something. Yeah. How do you feel? Um, I, like, I like this. I like these questions. I feel like she's going to give very insightful answers. All right, I'll just I'll ask. Let me ask. I'll just ask it straight up because I know how we feel about it. I know how I feel about it. Uh, does the flavor change with size? So when the size of the cigar changes, how do you feel the flavor changes? And explain like how you feel because I know what I feel, and I and Eric probably agrees with me as well. But explain that to us. Um, so most of the consensus, if the typical blending philosophy mindset is wrappers, flavor, binders, body strength is a filler. Um, unless you're talking Davidoff or El Septimo, who worked the opposite way. Um, I remember I was doing Davidoff training and it's like, we, you know, the flavor mainly comes from the filler and the binder. And you're like, huh, that's not cohesive to the rest of the industry. But for a company that was historically using just Ecuadorian Connecticut, if you're just using the same wrapper type, obviously the binder and the filler are going to make a considerable difference as opposed to if you're making changes based on the wrapper and then the binder is then creating the base foundation of the profile and then the filler is where you can make your differences. So when you have different sizes, um, a good example of this is this how I usually explain like ring gauge size to people and how much of a difference that makes. So take your Lanceros as a cup of espresso, just espresso it is the richest, densest form of that flavor. Now take a 60 or 70 ring gauge. That's like an Americano. It's like having that, but a large amount of water as dilution. Uh, if you look at a 33 ring gauge and a 66 ring gauge, the filler quadruples by the time you get to that uh, 66 ring gauge. So it's obviously going to make a difference. Now you can blend towards that mindset if you're going for a larger ring gauge and the flavor can still work. But if you're not accounting for the fact that you're adding one, two, depending on how big it is, to three more leaves into your cigar for your filler, obviously it's going to make a huge difference. Mm. Um one of the best examples for that is the Avo Synchro Ritmo. So that has seven different countries in it. Love that. Story. In the, yeah. And in the Robusto, it's fine. In the special Toro, when you give those five countries more space, it is a way more uh, highly executed cigar because you have the space that's appropriate for that. You also have a more open draw so that flow is going to be better for the consistency of the smoke. So whereas the Robusto doesn't have the cohesiveness, um, the special Toro almost in itself is creating one profile instead of seven different profiles. Wow. So you had said wow. something so you had said that something nice. that yeah, and no, I love that explanation. But you had said that uh 
the wrap. So a lot of times everybody th- says that the wrapper is where the flavor comes from. The binder is the body and then the filler is, is the strength. Do you agree with that? As you've developed like your palate and have you, as you've smoked all of these cigars, do you agree with that? I would, I mean, there's always exceptions to the rules, which is kind of the thing that you can say with any part of the cigar um, context, whether it's blending or the subject, subjectivity of palates. Um, you know, you could have, if you double bind something, that's going to make a huge difference on how it's going to impact the wrapper. Um, if you are adding an excess amount of Lajero into your filler, that is going to be messing with the strength. Because one thing that's, you know, I still think people have trouble with comprehending is there's a difference between body and strength. Mm-hmm. You know, body is the way that the smoke production is where the strength has to deal with the nicotine value on one's palate. Um, so having that understanding and where you make those differences in the filler to bring the strength forward or to bring balance back to the profile because of your wrapper and your binder, I can see where there's a lot of truth to that. But again, people's blending styles can be very different from one another. But I think there's there's facts about blending and then there's truths about it as well. Right. And that's all depending on what the blender and also what country of origin. I mean, you could be using a lot of Nicaraguan tobacco from a Dominican company, but it still is blending in a Dominican mindset. The smooth, the easy, the mm-hmm. nuance versus the, the rough, the contextual, you know, differences that are going on with more Nicaraguan based tobacco. Cause you had, cause you had actually, and the reason why I bring it up is because you know, we've heard of that a lot. A lot of you see some of these guys that are on Instagram and they're posting these how-to videos, and they said somebody asked where the flavor comes from. It comes from solely the wrapper. And Eric and I are sitting here thinking, like, well, if that was truly the case, then all of the filler, like everybody, would just have the same filler, and the filler would not even matter because all the flavor comes from the wrapper. But you had said something that's very interesting, where you say that you know the main flavor, right? The main underlying. Uh, I don't want to say body, but the main flavor profile comes from the wrapper, but then the filler is where you can add in all of those like subtle notes, right? So I think that that's a, a great way to put it is that, yes, the wrapper, because right when you put the cigar in your mouth, that's the first thing that your lips touch is the wrapper. And when you first light up the cigar, the first flavors you're going to get are the main underlying profile of the cigar. It's going to be from the wrapper. But then as you're smoking it, the filler's you know, it could be blended a little bit differently. The filler is going to give you some of these underlying notes, and they're going to change from third to third to third. So when somebody says that wrappers where all the flavor is, the blend, the filler doesn't even matter. I'm like, yeah, I don't really believe that because otherwise, then you could just put whatever the yeah. fuck you want inside of a cigar, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. not going to make a difference. Like, why do people blend with different regions? It's because it provides different flavors. Yeah, it's not even regions too. It's it's primings also. Whether you're using Bezo, Seiko, right. Lajero, right. you know. It depends on that. And then there's certain varietals that are very unyielding towards the rest of their profile. So especially like Ecuadorian Habanos are my good example of being very unyielding. It's kind of like, say we're trying to look at something on a table and then you put a burlap sack on top of that. You can't see anything. It's kind of like what Habanos do. It's got that such rich, uh, fresh leather profile and it's so demanding that you don't get to really get these heavy essence of what's going on in the rest of the profile as opposed to putting something like a Nicaraguan Corojo, which is kind of like putting more of like lace down. You can see what's underneath it, but it's kind of filled into those nooks and crannies as opposed to being one flavor with this. Mm. It's right. melted together. 
you have certain leaves that are just going to dominate no matter what they like. Yeah. For instance, if you if you uh, you're drinking, you know, if you're tasting different wines, right? And if you want to, you start always start with the lighter profile, like if, especially if you're tasting. Let's say you're tasting whites and reds. You don't start with reds because then that's just going to dominate everything. Like you won't start with a Merlot and then try to taste the Chardonnay because the Merlot is just going to dominate everything. You're not going to taste anything after that, right? So, like you said, you go the opposite. If you if you start with the Chardonnay, then the next one you can go up to a Pinot Noir. You're gonna you're gonna taste those. But if you go backwards, it just dominates and you're kind of screwed. Yeah, and that also kind of goes back to pairings. You know, I decide on this one today because it's been a while and last time I had this I was just dancing around the whole shop I'm like this is a good day um <laughs> so I was like what's going to be the best solution for that it can't be anything overly heavy so the four grain from Penelope is just so nice so subtle um great for new bourbon smoke uh bourbon drinkers and stuff like that so when you have when you give the space for this to be and this to also be you're always going to have a better solution as opposed to me picking like bookers or something for something this soft and complex wouldn't make sense. I love it. I love the explanations. Very detailed. I, that's, all, that's what I'm saying. And, and, and I do like the you know the analogies. We're talking about the burlap sack, right? The uh, the espresso and the americano. That's just, a very like a listen. No, it's a very a very good analogy for people that that may not. You explain it well for the layman's. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Now I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go go. Um, you know, doing this for as long as I've been doing it, um, as far as like recommending to people and stuff like that, it's very intimidating walking into a humidor. Um, even if you've been smoking for a while, especially a new humidor. So you want to provide people the right analogies that connect to their lives, because if you're just being esoteric, which I totally do also, um, <laughs> You, you start losing them because they're, they're not in that part of the world yet. And we're not here to make people feel dumb. We're here to make people confident because if you're confident, I know to get you the right cigar. And then you tell me what, what you love and what you hate. And that conviction will make me like, okay, we're going to stay away from Cameroons from now on. Okay. We know, we know now. And we'll go over to, you know, maybe doing more Brazilian stuff if that's where your profile is leading. But if they don't have that confidence on their own palates, it's very difficult, but you really just got to explain to people like your cigar palate just doesn't like just pop out of the heavens and land to you. It's exactly. things from your food palate where you find the commonalities. Exactly. I mean, one of the things that we get asked all the time, how do I, you know, how do I pick a cigar? Where do I, I start? Was gonna, I was gonna say and that. I was like, well, one of the things I always ask people is, you know, okay, well, what do you, you know, what do you like to, to drink? And some people will say, you know, I, I drink uh, vodka, like beer. Or they say, like I say, I drink vodka. And I go, okay, well, then we're probably going to start. We're not, we're going to stay away from like the double Aheros because if you, if you like vodka, then your palate may not be accustomed to some of the stronger, rich flavors that might come from like a spicy Lajero cigar or even like Nicaraguans, like a, a, a Padron that's a Nicaraguan Puro is going to be black pepper. It's going to be strong. Like we're going to stay away from those. We'll start with something mild. But if they come in and say, oh, I drink, you know, a Johnny Walker double black or I like to drink bourbon, I go, okay. Then you probably are accustomed to some of those rich flavors. We can start you with something a little bit on the you know medium side, have some fuller flavors. Same thing if somebody drinks white wine versus red wine, or if they drink they don't drink any alcohol. You say, okay, well, how do you take your coffee? Well, I drink espresso black. Okay, well then you're probably you know you can go up to the fuller cigars, or I drink it light and sweet. All right, we're gonna start you on the lower end. Yeah, there's um, everything comes into play, and it's you know whether you're talking about. You know, I have 
um, over my time, I've created this uh, thing I call palate profiler. So essentially, it's going through different qualities of your food palate. Um, you know, whether it's like, do you, how do you take your, are you a coffee drinker or a tea drinker? Um, when you go for desserts, are you going for a pastry, pie, or a cake? Why does that have anything to do with it? It's about richness and density of profile. Um, my favorite one is like, if you go for barbecue, are you a rubs or a sauce kind of person? If you're a rub, you like sharper flavors that are going to be more easily picked up as opposed to a sauce is an amalgamation of flavor itself. Right. So there's all these little nuances that you can pick from people's profile. And when they have that ability to put one thing to the next, they can go, okay, well, if I see that and, you know, I, my palate kind of changes with like, I like to do different foods throughout the week. Then you got to be a little more conscious of your choices as opposed to the person's like, I can eat chicken five days a week. And you're like, okay, well, you're probably going to be smoking the same thing yep. most days of the week. Yep. Or somebody says in, okay, well, what'd you just have to, and that's another thing where it comes into play if you have restaurants that offer cigars as well. I've always talked to a buddy of mine. I'm like, listen, you know, you can't just, you need somebody in there that knows about how to pair cigars with food. I said, because you, you might ruin a, you know, you might have a dinner and then you have a cigar and that cigar is going to taste like shit because of what you had, right? If you go in there and you have a, a steak, right? Steak, red wine, you want something savory that's going to match those flavors. But yeah. if you go in and you're having white wine with a fish, then you're not going to give them something that's really bold because it's going to be like, whoa, I just had a, a, that's way too strong for me. So I always tell them like, listen, you need a cigar for lack of a better term, a sommelier, because we don't like the term cigar sommelier because of the you know five hundred dollar certificate that you can get, uh, it takes a lot longer to than you know. tobacconist. Okay, yeah, it's just tobacco. You need you need somebody that knows what to pair, right? And I always tell them like, hey, listen, call me up. I'll give you a recommendation on what to pair with what food because it definitely makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And one thing you uh, touched on is the, uh, the certification stuff. I know. We had a whole episode. We, we did a whole <laughs> thing about it. We did a whole like is it even worth it? How, so so how do you feel about because you know we always say listen. I get it. You want to you want to extend your knowledge in in cigars. It's a great course. You know, take a take a course, whatever course you can find if there's somebody that's reputable that's teaching it, then great, take it. But if you take a course that that just takes about a weekend and $800 of your money, you cannot call yourself a master of cigars. Okay? There are guys that have been blending 10, 12, 14 hours a day for like 40 years and will tell you that they don't know everything. Yeah. So you can't possibly learn everything there is to know in one class. No, I, and I think it's there's something kind of silly about it. Like, could I tell you off the top of my head, like, say you're in the shop and you're like, all right, explain every aspect of the curing process. I'm like, I can, but it might be a little funky because most people just don't ask me those questions on a regular basis. Is it good to know? Absolutely. You want to be invested in every part of the industry. Um, if you're on my side, especially because it's what we put our love and our work into. Um, but it's like, you know, when you're reading the history and it's kind of like, and it started with Cuba and you're like, what happened to the other 4,000 years that happened before that? <laughs> right. I mean, right. What happened all, to Christopher what about Columbus? About what about the what about the Mayans? What happened with the Mayans when they were rolling cigars? What, nobody talks about that. Everybody starts with Cuba. Well, and that's why, like, um, when I was doing my interview with Nick um, from Foundation, like, we spent a majority of the time just talking about archaeology because it's my background. But um, that's when he was just putting out the Olmec, and I spent about three weeks doing my own, you know, 
history and stuff on that. Um, and really kind of like, let's explain to people like those true original cigar smokers. Now the cigars are about like four feet long. They were used for communal purposes, but it's bringing back the ties of where they actually were. I mean, Mexico really is kind of something you need to talk about when you talk about tobacco because it's where we had those fundamentals of the Olmec culture itself, the Tushla um, mountain range where we get our tobacco now. It's also where Cortez just popped up. He's like, I like it here. Yeah. I'm going to steal their shit. And you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. And uh, it's funny because, I mean, even- Mexico is where one of the most, well, I'm just, I oh, was, I thought you were you were like wound up. I'm about to smack this no, no, I was just stretching my leg. I mean, my arm. Uh, but no, it's a good point that you bring up Mexico because Mexico. I mean, it's it's the leaf that wraps our cigar. Mexican San Andreas. It's one of the most well known, most flavorful wrappers that are out there, and nobody start. Nobody even like they don't even think about Mexico when you first when you talk about the the regions of of tobacco. Like where do cigars come from? They talk about. Dominic Cuba the first. They talk about Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Honduras. Kind of gets left out. Mexico gets left out all the time. Then you have Brazil gets left out. Cameroon gets left out. Like all these, Ecuador gets left out. I think the reason why that continuously happens. I mean, you gotta like say I'm. I've got a new trainee that's coming in. They're going to first get the information for the actual. Um, the people who are doing production of cigars, which is technically Cuba, Dominican Republic, Honduras, and Nicaragua. Mm. As far as like the big main houses, you'll then also be getting, like you said, tobacco from, you know, parts of Africa and Central Africa and Cameroon. You'll also be getting it from Brazil. You'll get some from Costa Rica. You'll get it from one of my favorite places, which I hope infrastructure builds up in the next 10 years, which is Peru. Um, Peru's but in the, in the, the Ritmo, things- right? Peruvian tobacco is in the Ritmo. It's in the Ritmo. It's in a lot of other blends. Pay, pay attention. In Peru and the Han, the Andean regions of Honduras, um, I believe, were the the first fundamentals of where tobacco really got its start about three, four thousand years ago. So it's funny how we have that continuation northward. So now we're finally going back down. Um, but what's funny is if you look at historic past of like when people were talking about um, Mexican tobacco, it never said Mexican San Andres. It always said San Andres. And that was because there's this context of Mexico from an American standpoint that when you hear Mexico, you go, ooh, I don't know about that. For me, I'm like, give me more because the beauty of San Andres Negro tobacco is the fact that you can, it tastes gritty and rough because it has one of the more contemporary volcanic, um, eruptions from the San Martin um, volcano in the Tushla Mountain region, which is when the Olmec culture happened. So it's more um, contemporary for where you have the deposits, and therefore that's why the, the soil texture leads to more grittiness plus a higher acidity level. But when you have that, when you're starting from rough, you can go so many places for how you age it. And it only took within the past couple of like, Right after the boutique boom, people started saying that they could really use San Andreas in the right, proper ways. And it also has a, a one, another really great history. Um, if you ever want to look at tobacco history in a very unique way, look at it from revolutions to and mobility of people. Because where we have Cuba, then um, with Fidel Castro basically stripping everybody out of their resources, 
we have a mobility of people and ideas going into different areas and then using those practices. But another, one of my favorite stories is um, for Sumatra tobacco. The Dutch were in in Indonesia fucking shit up as as imperialism imperialism likes to be. And so the revolution started happening. They got the fuck out of there, went to Mexico, dropped off the seeds, and then just dipped. And so that's why we have, you know, Sumatra, San Andreas, tobacco. It's just Damn. because of another product of revolutions. And so, I mean, that's the, the more you look at it from that. Am, am I, I, am, are we on my podcast right now or am I on a cigar education? Like, well, you know, well, you know, I'm, I, I'm learning some listen, shit I must, right I now. must say this. She dropped another one, Ecuadorian Sumatra. That's the binder on our cigar. Just saying. we. I mean, that's two. It's two for two right there, man. Yeah. Wow. We got to send you down. We yeah, I was going to say, so So it's very, so if you if you enjoyed the Ritmo, okay, our cigar actually has six different countries to our uh, to our blend. To our, we have the Mexican San Andreas wrapper we told you about, Ecuadorian Sumatra binder. We have um, Dominican, Nicaragua, Honduras, and Pennsylvania fillers. Okay, so you would, we got to send you some of our cigars now that they're back in stock. Um, we had a good problem to have. We were sold out for quite a bit. Uh, but we will definitely send you some. We'd, we'd love to hear from somebody as knowledgeable as yourself. We'd love to hear your, your opinion on our, our stick. We've gotten a lot of good ratings. We've gotten some high ratings from some well-known people. Uh, we'd love to hear what you say, think about it. So we will send you some as soon as we get them. No doubt. I have actually had one. You have? What? Tell okay, us. now tell regular... us. Now tell yeah. us because I don't. I didn't send it to you. I didn't either. You didn't. Um, there's a regular locker member in Gastonia, and um, he he was like, "Here, I have one." I was like, "Word, okay." And so I looked up the blend, and I see why. I, I see where you guys were going with that because that Ecuadorian Sumatra, you had to build it up so that Pennsylvania broadleaf is going to be that nice qualifier. I'm imagining the Dominican to soften it down, Honduran for the passiveness in the filler. Makes sense. Did you? Uh, it was so tasty. It was. It was tasty. All right. Yeah. Is that is good? Okay. I, I now, love it. Yeah. From some, I mean, I now, will. Ta- I will take that. That is that person that gave it to you. Was it a guy named Michael? Possibly. Michael Morris. I think it might have been. Yeah. Kind of. What is he tatted up? Kind of wears wears hats all the time because we had him on the podcast. Oh. He's a friend. He's a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. No, it's a different person. No, I'm gonna be better with my names. Um. No, I can't remember his name. It was just somebody who's a big fan of you guys. Um, so oh, yeah, and then cool. he gave me one, and I was like, "Oh, word!" And then I smoked, and I was like, "I'd probably talk to these guys." That's, that's awesome. when I invite you guys down. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, that's I'm, what kickstarted that. I'm, okay, I'm, it's kind of cool, you know. I'm like, "Listen, I didn't send it to you. He didn't send it to you. How'd you find it?" That's pretty well, cool. Well, we're glad that you enjoyed it. Um, thank you very much for for trying it, and thank you for the for the positive feedback uh, from somebody as knowledgeable as yourself to say that they liked it. That's a win. That's a win for us. That's a dub for us. Appreciate that. Yeah, it took us a while to, to, you know, and we are not nearly, you know, we're not as knowledgeable as you in cigars. We Clearly, because I've been quiet for like the last <laughs> fucking 20 minutes just listening to you guys go off on cigars. I'm like, what's going on here? But it definitely took a little while. We had the help of, you know, of our, our manufacturer of, of Blackbird Cigars who their blenders had helped us. We had told them what we liked and what flavors we wanted and they helped us continue to blend it. And then we kept smoking it and then re-blended it and smoked it and re-blended it. And then we ultimately came out with what we have, which we thought was the best balance of everything. Uh, we thought it was a cigar that could, that the seasoned cigar smoker could really enjoy and be able to pick up all of the different notes. 
as well as the rookie cigar smoker, it's not something that's too powerful where they're going to be turned away by it. Mm. So we found that it was the best middle ground for our first cigar. Obviously, you know, the cigars coming down the, the line, we'll have some that are more on the mild side. We'll have some that step it up a notch. Uh, but for the first one, we thought we nailed it right on the head. So appreciate the feedback. Yeah, no problem. I have one question to ask you guys, though. Please. What is what is your guys' um, adversity against Bic lighters? Bic lighters. I say don't use them. Do you, do so you... it's something that us, our side of the industry, use a lot of. Um, you'll see a lot of manufacturers, a lot of blenders usually have a Bic in their pocket um, because it's just a butane on a soft blade. See, I always just now that's just from our side. Um, I always I, just I, got information yeah. and like through the years of just learning about cigars, and it was just always like, yeah, never use a, a you know a, a big lighter or a gas station lighter. I always just use a butane torch, and I was just like, okay, I never really thought of it anything after that. I would just say, well, if I see someone using it, I'm like, I'm not gonna be like, hey, don't no, don't use it, don't use it. But that's just that's where I got my my uh, you know opinion from it because just from everything that I've watched learned and interacted with over the years i just i think of it like this if you're gonna spend the money on cigars then spend the money and get a freaking torch light i also don't like big lighters because you gotta hold it for a while and if you do you burn your thumb it doesn't you gotta you gotta be honest with me okay pro man Uh, listen no coming for like personally i would rather just use a match okay i would rather use a cedar strip i think it's the most natural way to light your cigar there's no gas whatsoever there's no butane it's just Wood, cedar wood, natural burning. Um, but I'm like, listen, like, just get yourself a cigar lighter. Like, you're going to be a cigar smoker. Get a cigar. It, it's, you have a much uh, much more accuracy with a torch than you do with a soft flame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can really – it's much easier to touch up certain spots with a torch than it is with a, with a, with a soft flame. Um, but, but like I, Eric said, if somebody's watching, I'm, I'm not going to be like, yo, don't do that. Like, and in a pinch I – I lit a cigar once. I was at a hotel – and I had a cigar meat, but my my lighter got confiscated because uh, I left it in my bag by accident. I usually just don't bring it. I usually bring matches. Got confiscated. I went out for a cigar, and I'm like, fuck. No matches. They didn't. The hotel didn't have I saw a guy smoking a cigarette, and he had one of those, like, piezoelectric uh, cigarette lighters that had the little current. And I'm like, listen, man. Beggars can't be choosers. Can okay. I borrow that? You know how long it took me to light my fucking cigar? I don't doubt it. But I got it lit. Those are definitely not meant for them. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for me, I mean, the Bix, you know, I always felt like you had to, like, put it on an angle. You have to, It's like, it burns your finger. You know, with a torch, you can just, you know, just stand stationary and it, and it does its job. No, so now, let me, hold on, let me ask you this now. If you said most guys will just have a Bic lighter, uh, guys and gals, most people will have a Bic lighter. Why won't they just keep a carry a torch? If you're going to carry a Bic lighter, it's not like it's much more difficult to carry a torch. Well, if you so, there's one thing I will smack out of somebody's hand. It's a Zippo lighter. Any day of the week. Don't fuck. Well, that's lighter. That's lighter fluid. Right. Um, Or when somebody like if we're at the shop and someone sees our um, uh, our like creme brulee lighter for when we're doing smoke cold fashions, and they say I'm a Connecticut, I'm like you. You can't have that. No, get that nope. back. Yeah, you're going to um, destroy it. <laughs> but there's a couple reasons why, um, you know, for the consumer side, it makes sense if you're going to be spending that money, have the accoutrement to come with it. When you're someone like me who, or somebody in the industry, let's say, for example, 
a blender and stuff like that who's constantly traveling things instead of having to worry about having their you know fancy DuPont or their nice Zycar being taken from them it's easier just having a on hand um there's something also very nice about especially new smokers when they're doing relights to hand them a soft flame as opposed to a torch because it, tell, it slows them down in understanding that you don't want to overheat your cigar and overheat your oils. So there's, there's positive and negatives to that. I mean, that's why DuPont soft flames still exist because of the fact that the soft flame does have a lot of positives. Now, can you really toast a foot with the soft flame? Not necessarily, but if I had the time, I would probably use my stupid wand. Love this thing. I, and I, then I, got, if I, I had, had one of those too. Flame, those are actually pretty cool. I mean, you get to feel like a wizard. Like, it's just as much fun. You're a wizard, Harry. But, you, should take, you should take the opportunity then, you know, especially if you're trying to teach somebody how to relight a cigar. A lot of people will just take a torch and go right into the cigar again, relight it, which is the incorrect way to relight your cigar. You're supposed to. When just, they have it this close. Yeah, you're supposed <laughs> to actually, and I've taught this to people, is you're supposed to, quick little lesson for the listeners and the viewers, you're actually supposed to just go around the edge of the burn yeah. and just toast that. And then you should be good to go because if you go right back in, then you might damage a cigar. You might get some harsh flavors. So you might actually use it as a learning, you know, a little teaching moment. Say, hey, listen, I know here's a soft flame, but here's how you're really supposed to, you know, go around the edges, toast a cigar. Because I, I do think that it preserves the flavor. A lot of guys, if you hand them the lighter, they're just going to put it up and go right to it and start sucking that flame in. I'm like, mm, yes, you'll get it lit, but that's not the way you're supposed to do it. <laughs> Well, and people always jump the gun. They think, like, I immediately need to use this. If you put your, say, we're having a conversation, I put my cigar down for, like, a couple seconds. I still see a little bit. You can blow into the cigar oh, yeah. itself. Yeah, I do it all the time. Yeah, you can purge it's it. A, it's a great trick. Purge the cigar. You know Everything how many people think that you're a freaking magician when you do that? Yeah. I I've done it to oh a lot God, of people. They do. They, right? They're like, oh, my God, you that's should, amazing. You should hold, you should hold your, your little, uh, your little uh, what do you call it, wand, and then do that and mm -hmm. be like, watch this magic trick, motherfuckers. It's real quick in your face. And then make something up. Be like, there's a there's an electric current that goes into the cigar if I hold it. Make some shit up. And they'll be like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, because they're like, uh, they'll, the, my friends or whoever will put like their cigar down for like 30 seconds. Like, ah, I'm out. I'm like, all right, just try to blow into the cigar real quick. And they're like, yeah. what? Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, they man, they They are cool. amazed by it. <laughs> I always tell them, like, listen, blow in. If you see any little bit of smoke, you're good to go, man. Yeah. Just, just. I, you look at it like this. I say, what do you do when a fire? When you have a, when you're building a fire, right? And the fire is kind of dwindling. The flame goes out, but it's still like hot. What do you do? You blow on the fire, and you keep blowing on it. Next thing you know, the fire ignites. So it's the same thing with a cigar. Just because you don't visually see it doesn't mean that it's not that's not lit. Blow into it. See if you can reignite it. And that's the best way because then you don't damage your cigar. And I think it's one. Of, and I love. Speaking about the things of people, when you teach them how to purge, because I think you should probably be purging your cigar. I do it unconsciously because um, I also walk around with my cigar in my mouth. And, you know, I can do most of my job with the cigar in my mouth. Um, but when you teach them to blow all the smoke out, release all of that excess smoke that hasn't come to your palate, you can, like, take a nice breath, smoke it again. They're like, what just happened? And you're like, yeah, do it all the time now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Clean the cigar out because a lot of you, you – I always tell people too when it gets you can feel it when it gets a little bit hot and it's getting a little harsh and they're like oh I'm gonna put it out whoa, whoa, whoa. don't put that bad boy out blow into it clear out the freaking you know you gotta clear out the uh, the 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 what's the word can't think the shit 
you know, you got to clear out the, you know, clear out the tube. You know what I'm saying? You got to blow through it, clear all that gook out of there. And then, but anyway, that's some cigar, cigar knowledge. And you guys uh, really learned me today. I was just like a little kid just kind of understanding what you guys are saying. Because people like ask me, they think I know all the answers to cigars. I'm like, man, I don't know shit. I don't know. I know a little bit, a lot, a little bit. I don't know a lot about a lot of it. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah. You know, know you know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. I know a little bit about a little bit. I don't know about, I don't know a lot about a lot. No, you know a lot about a little. I don't know if that makes sense. Or whatever. You don't know you, what you don't. You know. get the idea. You get yeah, the idea. Yeah. You're learning every day. That's important. There you go. That's that's love it. We're learning every day. But uh, yeah, we're uh, we're coming to the close here. So usually at the end of the episode, we like to give you the red carpet. We like to let you plug away where people can find you on social media, where you're. Where you're located, any events going on, anything that's going on that's that's exciting, you want to promote, by all means, the red carpet is yours, Miss McKenzie. Okay. Well, um, if anybody's in the Charlotte or Gastonia area, the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar is probably one of the most unique places I've been to. Um, it's got a very interesting culture and philosophy to it. Beautiful location. Um, all of our bartenders are just sorcerers and their spirit knowledge and their ability to make really interesting cocktails as well as pair with things um we have a great event staff as well um we also have our membership director who's really taken the time to do a lot for our locker members doing dinners and things like that um so you know if you're looking for a really cool place to spend your time this is a one of the coolest places i've ever experienced and every people new people we have coming in are always just amazed by, you know, the level of care we have, but also just the, you know, the sheer attention that we have to every detail that we have um, at the Vintage. We have a event going on Saturday with uh, Drew Estate. We're doing a pool party. We don't have a pool. We have a baby pool. Um, but <laughs> we're doing, bob for apples we're doing, like, or something? <laughs> everyone's like, am I supposed to bring my own? I'm like, no, don't bring your own pool. We only have so much space on the patio. But, uh... <laughs> So we'll have Will from Drew State. Um, we'll be having tiki drinks and stuff like that. We'll have deals. We uh, just reached our tier for um, Liga Bravado. So they sent us some Liga Bravado. So nice. we finally have that now too. Um, we just got, we got a lot of good stuff coming and it's, I have such a love for the team that I work with and the, um, my owner, Dan and my um, person above me, Ben, who had a lot of confidence to bring me, you know, all the way from Maryland to here. So. You know, I'm I'm here to just give them everything I possibly can, and my customers as well. Cheers well, ho- well, hopefully we get some blueprints there too. Hopefully, uh, get them down in the. Y'all gotta come visit, man. I mean, I feel like up. I feel like I feel like that we're due for a trip right down now. there. Well, hopefully we can get some blueprints in stock, and then yeah. we uh, do a nice little event. Maybe next thing you know, next time maybe when we come down there, there'll be uh, some blueprints on the shelves of uh, you know the vintage whiskey and cigar bar. Who knows? Maybe. Next yeah. next That's client, it. maybe. Who knows? But uh, Mackenzie, thank you so much for joining us here on The Burnout. We had an absolute pleasure talking with you and teaching us some of the stuff and some of the knowledge that you have in the industry. Uh, you're clearly well-versed when it comes to cigars and the cigar culture. Class act. Um, but we appreciate, again, you know, taking the time on your off day to sit here with The Burndown Podcast. And with that being said, Eric's going to send us off with our... Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching and listening. Miss McKenzie, the cigar wench, thank you for hanging out with us. And as I like to say, cheers, chin chin, salute. Salute, planche.